Well, I'm sure that we all certainly believe that tonight. It's closer than it's ever been before. We uh, can certainly look around and see all the things that are happening in the time that we're living. Most of us, I'm sure, did not think that we'd ever be having church quite like this. Uh, you'd be living your life at home if you're unable to go to work and able to go here and there. Only the Lord knows actually what the future holds. But I'm so glad we may not know exactly every twist and turn in the road, but we know who holds our future. We're certainly grateful for that. <clears throat> we'll uh, read together tonight um, Psalms 91. It seems to be so fitting for, for where we are. Brother Darrell uh, read, it, read it here rather on Sunday and did such a wonderful job on it. And um, uh, someone had texted me and said that they had... Uh, stream Brother Barry Coffee on Sunday morning, and uh, he had read Psalms 91, and then uh, streamed a little bit of Brother Tim Pruitt and them in Louisiana, and Brother Timothy, I think, maybe had read Psalms 91, so we're going to read it again tonight. So apparently it's, it's something that's very fitting for us. We know that it's any portion of the Word of God, of course, is wonderful and great, but we believe that there's a season to God's Word, and um, we're grateful for the brothers has come out to be able to make this available for those of you that are streaming tonight. Well, I want to say, brothers, I certainly appreciate it. You coming out, and we'll do this as long as, as long as necessary to be able to get us through this time. Psalms 91.1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. And verse 5. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day. We're going to pray, and we want to remember all these um, requests that Brother Louis uh, had mentioned, I'm sure those of you that are streaming tonight, you have different things, and maybe your, your, your job situation is uncertain, many, many things. But remember, friends, even in the time of great trouble, our God is mindful of His people. He knew this hour would come upon us. We certainly did. And it caught most of us, I'm sure, by surprise. Our nation is caught by surprise, as well as the world is. But it's not surprising to our Lord. So let's just pray together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads, Lord Jesus, we're grateful, Lord, that we would have this opportunity to, to be able to call upon your name once again. Thank you for the brothers, Lord, that have been willing to assemble themselves together here tonight to be able to make the service available for all those that are streaming. And, Lord, how our hearts long to be able to see one another. And it makes us feel very sad, Lord, that we can't see our brothers and sisters and be able to meet here like this. But Father, we just pray that you'd strengthen us and help us. And Lord, that you'd give us grace till we're able to do it again, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy to us that extends even in troublesome times. Lord, these prayer requests that Brother Louis read, we ask that you be mindful of them tonight. No doubt hundreds of them that were out across those that are streaming the service. And we just pray that you'd be mindful of them. Lord, there's uncertainty in our country and our world, uncertainty in our economy, uncertainty in our jobs, uncertainty everywhere we look. But we're so glad there's no uncertainty in our God. We pray that you would help us tonight in the service. Help me, Father, to be able to get out of the way. I pray, Lord, that you just help me to surrender myself to you, that you can speak through me, Lord, to your children. Father, we're hungry tonight. 
Even though we're not able to gather together as we normally do, people sitting around their phones or tablets or computers, wherever they are at work or at home, and Lord, they're hungry, they've got needs, they've got something inside of them, Lord. So we pray that you'd just be mindful of us. We know this is different for us, Lord, but we're asking you that you would just compensate for the difference, Lord, and minister to us. Would you, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated, you brothers. Thank you all so much. <clears throat> I want to speak to you for just, just a little while tonight on, on this simple thought. Don't fear, little sister. Most of you know the story and you know where it comes from, so I'll not really go into much detail of the story, but it was one of a little girl and her brother and her family being down in the, in the caverns and the guide turns off the light and the little brother sees it and the little girl starts screaming and going into hysterics, the prophet said. But the little brother spoke up and said, don't fear, little sister, there's a man here who can turn on the light. I believe truly if there's an hour that we need to be conscious of that, it is the hour that we're living in. We, a week or two ago, you know, whenever we started hearing more and more and more about this virus coming into our nation and affecting more and more people, I'm sure that most of us thought, oh, well, maybe it's hype, maybe it's this, that, and the other. And no doubt, a lot of it is hype. A lot of it is the scare and the fear. And to me, one of the greatest pandemics is fear itself and not the, the virus. But yet, I believe the Lord wants us to be sensible. I believe He wants us to do everything we can. If you read about the life of Martin Luther during the time of the Great plagues that struck in the land where they were living, also John Alexander Dowie, many great people that have lived down through different time frames that have dealt with different pandemics that's been on the world, they did everything they could. They prayed, they went to church, they assembled when they forbid them to assemble, they did not assemble, but yet they done everything in their power to be able to keep on going with what the church was called to do. And I believe that's what the Lord wants us to do as His body. Now, whenever we look at where we are and we think, you know, what an occasion that it is for the Spirit of God within us to be able to rise to the hour. Truly, we all have needs. We have needs right here tonight, those brothers that are here, all of you that are streaming the service, no doubt you have needs. But we know that our God is not bankrupt just because there's no doubt people now that's praying that ain't prayed in years. There's probably message folks that are, that are longing for the day when they can come back to Happy Valley. No doubt we'll see a revival of backsliders, but... But, you know, most of them, you're not sure how long they last. But what I want it to be is a revival for the real word born-again Christians. And we know that sometimes the Lord will actually use tumult and trouble and times like this to be able to stir some of His people. So I thank God for it. Whether you have to pull them out of the fire where they're able to come just by hearing the word and recognize it, either way is fine with me. But what I'd like to focus on tonight, if the Lord would help us, is these wonderful things in the Scripture that David had experienced himself. Now remember, David was the chosen of God, and he, he was God's, God's elected king. But David was a man of many errors, and he was a man of grave mistakes. And David, what we're going to read about tonight, had experienced it himself in a very close proximity of his own life. When David went to writing, as we'll get to it, about pestilence and terror and things that would come, David had experienced that in his own life. You remember whenever David numbered the people and Satan moved on, on David's heart, the Bible says, and whenever Satan moved on him, he moved on him to count the people of Israel. Now, God had already told him, don't count them. You don't need to know how many they are because how many ever you've got, I'm, I'm greater than all of that. 
But yet he, which was Satan, moved upon David, and David went out, and they began to count the people. As soon as he did it, then the Spirit of God moved upon his seer and told him, because you have done this, you've disobeyed me. And God gave him a choice of three things. So he said, I'll I'll choose the mercy of God. Immediately a plague went out from the presence of the Lord. Now what's amazing is, whenever David is the very man that actually caused this plague to come, But when the plague come, it never struck David. But the Bible tells us 70,000 people of the children of Israel fell in one day. Now you think, what a peculiar thing that God did. But now, you and I read this in the Bible and we think, well, that's not even fair. It makes no sense. Oh, but you see, we're reading it from this side of the book. No doubt, a lot about them 70,000 people was hard-headed, stubborn, rebellious, and just waiting for a time for the judgment of God to strike them. You see, God correlates all of His program together. And David saw a thousand fall at one hand, and 10,000 fall in his other hand but it never even come nigh to David's dwelling so when David is going to write about this in Psalms 91 he's not just writing about something that he had not experienced and we all know how that is whenever we experience something I remember many many years ago whenever Carol and I enlisted the little girl at the time Erica wasn't even born and we lived in the state of West Virginia <clears throat> and we lived up in a holler and we all think you have hollers here and no hollers like they had there and it was so far back in the hollers that the sun never even hit the front porch Harry was there so he remembers what it was it was so far back up in the sticks that the front porch was never touched by the sun so you had a little bit of daylight right up here whenever the open window there in the trees Brother Larry might have been near that place and there was an abandoned coal mine right in front of it where we parked our car so I'd been out in several weeks of services and come back in and the devil attacked my body one night it was a mysterious type of thing just hit me all of a sudden I got deathly sick I couldn't hardly breathe. Carol finally helped me get to the bed. I never did know exactly what it was. And we was crying and praying, calling on the name of the Lord. Nobody there. We didn't have cell phones, of course. And I told her, I said, get your Bible. Get your Bible, and I want you to open up to Psalms 91. And I want you to start reading it to me. And her with a quiver in her voice and still crying and still shaking. And she started reading what David had to say. When she got down to about verse 7 or 8, I said, read it again. She started reading it again. It wasn't just but me and her and Liz that was there. But all of a sudden, somebody else entered into that room. So whenever I read Psalms 91, it is very personal to me because I have experienced Psalms 91 in my own life. And I'm sure many of you, when you think about it, you'll be able to say the same. Now what I'd like to do is to begin tonight, if we could, with verse 1. And let's just break it down a little bit if we can. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now I want you to notice that in the promises of God that many of God's promises are based upon conditions. Some of them God gives you certain things. It really has nothing relevant to whether you do anything or not. But there's other conditions of God, promises rather of God that come with conditions and this is one of them. And the condition is the very third word, which of course three is a number of God. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Now notice it's not him that 
goes in and comes out. It's not him that visits on occasion, but it is him that dwells. Look at this word. It means to dwell or remain or sit or abide or have one's abode or to marry. So this promise that is going to be made to us tonight, now I think every one of you out there with the scare that's in the land and the fear that's in the land, I believe we all want this promise to be ours, do we not? We want to be kept in the time of pestilence. We want to be kept in the time of horrific disease. And look, friend, we do not know how far this thing is going to go. Now I understand that some of the brothers around the message are trying to take this time and say the bride is in the tribulation period. Don't you believe that for one minute. The bride is never going into a tribulation period. They they will never shut her up. The Lord will take her up. He will allow trouble to come our way and difficulty to come our way, but the tribulation has not set in. We get the rapture. We do not get a tribulation period. That's exactly right. Will God let us go through things? Certainly he will. But we are not in a tribulation period. Now David said, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. So it's not every man then that actually dwells in the secret place. And in reality, it's not even every Christian. Now we've been through that enough to know that those that are called Christians are those that are saved. But we're not just talking about being saved. We're talking about having the token and being filled with the Holy Ghost. So he that dwelleth in the secret place. So he comes to God's house, but he does not come and leave. Now, unlike whenever the service is over here tonight, the, the ten brothers of us or whatever it is that's here, we will depart, we'll say goodbye, and we'll see you again, Lord willing, on Sunday, and we will leave this house. And we'll say, well, we'll see you again and we'll wait for all of us to be gathered together. But in reality, those of us that are filled with the Holy Ghost never leave God's house. Because God's house is the mystical body of Jesus Christ. And once you're baptized in, you're there forever. So David said, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. So I want you to notice that he dwells in the Father's house. So there's some who worship in the outer court, and there's some who come into the second realm, but this doesn't apply to them. Actually, it's those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High. He dwells and lives in the Holy of Holies. So he lives where? Under the shadows of the cherubim over the mercy seat. Now remember, this is where that David is going to apply this light of the word. So he is not a stranger in the house of God. This man, this woman, this boy, this girl of Psalms 91.1 is not a guest in the house of God. They are at home. Praise God. They are not a guest in the house of God. And we know how that is. People come to our house and they're a guest. And then many folks come here to this place of worship and they come and visit. They'll never come back again. They will be, my goodness, what kind of church is that? And they come one time and never come back again. Some come a dozen times, half a dozen times. But this is not who we're talking about. We're talking about those that go into the mystical body. They're, they're baptized by the Holy Ghost. And when they get there, 
are, they are home. They are no longer a visitor. They are at home. Notice he said, he that dwelleth in the secret place. So what place would this have been? Well, in the time when David wrote this, David, of course, being a Middle Eastern king himself, and David would have practiced this with the people in his kingdom. He would have practiced this with the emissaries of other kingdoms, with those who would have come from different places. And only those that David would have handpicked would have been allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies or as it were as the inner sanctum of the palace. Now even David's 500 wives could not come at will and go into that secret place. This was where the king himself went to get away from all the issues of the kingdom. And they knew it was an unwritten law. No one went there unless you were bidden by the king. So David himself practiced this secret place and no doubt it must have dropped down in his heart that he realized God has this place. God has a place like this. Whenever he was in there, maybe David was dealing with administrative problems with this and there was a, a drought over there and the water's running dry over here and they're, they're having problems over there and David said, oh, I've just got to get away from it all. And he went into his place and said, nobody, nobody bother me. Everybody leave me alone. He'd walk inside there and the curtain would drop behind him and there he was, oh my, just for the peace, just for a little bit of joy, for a little while where he had no worries, no problems. Oh, it would only last for a moment but it was something that he needed. Must have struck his heart. Maybe Brother Darrell walking in there one day after dealing with such situation and the peace just covered over him and the revelation struck his heart. God has a place like this. Well, David did not know the Holy Ghost. David didn't understand the baptism of the Holy Ghost. All David knew was that there was a place there, a tabernacle, a crude place that he felt that he wanted to be there. And he got as close as if the law would allow him to go. But he knew he could never enter behind that veil. But he said, oh, I want to. I want to get behind there. I wish I was a priest. I wish I could go behind that veil. I wish I could be there to be in the presence of God. And he said, oh, there's got to be a place. There's got to be a place that a man can go that God calls him his secret place. Notice this. It is God's pavilion in which he hides his friends from harm. Those that dwell in this secret place. Now, Brother Darrell read this also on Sunday, but I'd like to read it again. Psalms 27 and 5. I want you to notice now, watch the links of this and who does what. In the time of trouble, he shall hide me. Now, I want you to notice now who's doing this. It's not us hiding ourselves. It is not us seeking God, and we're supposed to do our part now. But it, this is not us doing this. It is God doing this. And we know that Psalms 27 is what? A background for the rapture. The more I see the time we're in, the more I realize how perfect this psalm really is. And it begins out with trouble. It begins out in verse 2 talking about difficulty. We'll look at it later. But you go right on down. It's one verse after another after another of trouble being everywhere will the Lord keep us brothers will he keep us you folks that are streaming amen he'll keep us notice this in the time of trouble he shall hide me 
in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle, shall he hide me. Notice again, it's not us hiding ourselves. It's not us running scared. It's not, oh God, oh God, what are we going to do? I don't know what and what we're going to do. We're going to be calm. We're going to trust him. We're going to wash our hands. We're going to do what we can do. And we're going to claim his promises. That's right. For it's not up to me to hide myself. I can wash my hands. He won't do that. But it's not up to me to hide myself. It's up to him. It's up to me to believe that he will and claim his promise. He shall hide me in his pavilion and the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me. Notice the three phases. First pull, second pull, third pull. All three of them saying the same thing as far as the power of the one who's doing the work. It's the almighty. All we're doing is surrendering. He will hide me in his pavilion. He will set me, oh my. He in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me on a rock. And what is a rock in the Bible? A revelation. He will set me on a revelation. Now we know the majority of the world, they don't have a clue what the outcome of all this is as far as the numbers of the dead and so on. Neither do we. But we know this. If trouble comes our way, our God will be with us. Am I saying every Christian will be exempt from this thing that's coming? I am not because we are human beings. But I know this. There is a difference in disciplinary action of a plague that comes from God upon the wicked and it is of a son or daughter of God who experiences the same thing. Because children of God are not getting it for disciplinary action. But they will get it with a blessing that coming out of it, they'll be a better person than what they was when they entered into it. Now the world does not have that promise, but we do as his believing children. Notice he said, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Psalms 31, 20. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of men. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Is that right? Amen. So the hidden life of worship is actually what makes the obedient life that is put on display before the people. Now notice this. The hidden life of worship and communion with God is what makes possible the walk of faith that we live every day of our life. Notice now in verse 2 in Psalms 91. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my my fortress, my God, in Him, oh hallelujah, in Him will I trust. I'll tell you friends, it ain't good enough that He's your mama's God. He ain't good enough He's your daddy's God. He ain't good enough He's your pastor's God. And the hour we're living in, you need to know He's your God. That's right. I will say of the Lord. I trust every one of us can say this tonight. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome 
pestilence. Two perils mentioned here, the snare of the fowler and the noisome pestilence. Of course, both of these indicate a different type of peril. Now remember, David was a hunter, and many of us are not even familiar really with the snare of a fowler, but it was a metaphor for evil plots or things that would come against us. And we know that the fowler, actually depending on what, what type of bird that he was going to hunt, that he would study the bird itself, and he would adapt the trap according to the nature of the bird. Now if he's looking for a quail, you would not go up in an eagle's nest and be able to lay the snare up there because the quail is not going to be there. And it would be the same way if you're looking for a partridge, looking for a grouse, whatever more, you would study the nature of that bird and then you would lay your snare according to that nature. Now we all can say amen to this, that the devil knows every one of our weaknesses he knows our natures and he lays the snare for us according to our weakness. For some people, it may be, you know, one thing. For others, it'll be something different. But the devil knows every one of us. Some folks go all to pieces when a time like this comes up and they just, they just go to pieces and they shake and tremble and their faith just falls away. And to them, that's a great thing. Others look out, oh, praise God, we're going to go through it. But remember, they've got their weakness somewhere. We all do. And the devil will lay his trap according to your weakness. You see, every trial, is custom fit according to the nature of the one that is being tempted. And he can tweak it and alter it just a little bit. But David said, no matter what he does, the Spirit of God will help me and God will deliver me and the trap. We know exactly what a fowler would do, that he would study the haunt. He would study the habit. He would study the habitat. He would study the diet of what they would look for. And certain ones would go underneath branches and they'd pick up little seeds and then pick up this and that and the other. So guess where he's going to put his snare? He's going to put it right where they feed, right where they water. Or if they're scared of that area over there, he's not going to put it over there. He will stay away from that area and he will lay the snare where they are comfortable with, the things where they feel like, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, this is good, this is my space, I'm good. And he will watch them and say, okay, right there's where we want to lay the snare. But you know what? The Spirit of God will help us even in our weaknesses aren't you glad now notice he says that God would be those that would come to those that would deliver them he said he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence you know the, the human race since the fall of Adam in the beginning has never been exempt from disease and turmoil and all kinds of things. I'm going to share a few things with you tonight historically. A pestilence is recorded as raging in Babylonia in A.D. 40, in Italy in A.D. 66, and both of these took place before the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. Now, if you look at the sequence of many of these events down through time, we know that God uses, actually will allow, will allow Satan to move in the earth with plagues, with diseases, and even war. And he will use them as a judgment. But remember, we're children. If we're filled with the Holy Ghost, God ain't going to turn that devil loose on us. Amen. Now, watch this, this 
one that struck in Babylon in, in 40 AD and the other one in 66 AD in Italy and then both of them foreran the destruction of Jerusalem. And when you look at where we are and you think of this one and that one, one plague has crippled the world. One plague has brought economic disaster to the world. Can you imagine what it'd be in the tribulation when there's one after another, after another, after another? I knew already I didn't want to be here during the tribulation period. I'm more than convinced now. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? Well, I'll tell you, I'm so glad there's been a way made. Jesus said, pray you therefore always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. That is my prayer. So a pestilence is a deadly disaster, usually a disease which will be perpetuated through an entire community or it can be an island or a country. It can be a contagion that is passed one to the other. Notice this, the black death, the bubonic plague of the 14th century wiped out the majority of the population of Europe resulting in the deaths of an estimated between 75 to 200 million people. And who was on the earth at this time? Martin Luther. Swingly. And they, you know what they had to deal with? They had to deal with some of their people suffering this. So Luther said he would go through and fumigate the air and still pray and claim the promises of God. Why? They were humans. They were not exempt from sickness and difficulty and heartache and trouble. Can you imagine 75 to 200 million? Of course, they didn't have the data and all that that we keep up with today. One fourth of the population of the civilized world perished in Europe alone, reaching 25 million. 25 million. Oh my. The great pestilence of 1918, the Spanish flu which wiped out people in the United States more than our nation lost in World War I. It infected an estimated 500 million people worldwide, about one-third of the planet's population, and killed an estimated 20 million to 75 million victims, including some 675,000 Americans. So, is our God greater? He is. He is. Is our Holy Ghost greater than plague, than disease, than the black death, than whatever death? Absolutely right. So what do we do in such times? We claim the promise of God. We do everything we can do. I do not believe faith is foolish. I believe faith is based upon the word. I believe faith helps us to be able to guide us through such troublesome times. I mean, know oh, many people think they have faith when they're absolutely foolish and reckless with it. Amen. That's exactly right. And many of them will lose their life foolishly because of their perception of faith.
But faith never will lead you contrary to the word of God. If God leads you in a leprosy camp, go right ahead. God will take care of you if he leads you there. But if you go because of human selfishness and pride to prove what you are, you better count your fingers and toes because you may lose them before you get back. Because you're going out of pride, not by faith. People will say during this time, oh, bless God, I'm going to church. I'm proving my faith. Well, first of all, you're not cooperating with what our, our government has asked us to do. You're also risking your own testimony before people because they can't go here and there and there and you're acting like you're better than they are. And you're going to prove yourself. You're proving that you're ignorant. Well, amen. I should have made that amen tape a long time ago. First service after we get everybody back, we're going to have an amen making tape. <laughs> amen. Now, notice this. If where we are in this age, will we have millions of deaths? I don't know that. I, I'm not saying that we will. I don't have a clue no more than any of you know. But all I know is that God in the past has allowed such things to come upon the earth. Uh, I ask most of us, are we praying more now? When we pray over our food, are we more sincere than just a habit? Are we mentioning things with sincerity? I know it's sad for us too, but we might as well just go ahead and admit to it and shake our heads and it's the truth. Because there's something about trouble that stirs us up. There's something about it that shakes us. It's a shame that God has to use such things, but God knows how the human being is. Now, what you notice this in the message, the seven church ages. Brother Ben said, when the first world war, that six trumpets sounded according, exactly according to the time God spoke of it, exactly geographically following the seal before that. And when the mystery was revealed in there for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, how the church did not move up. Now, watch how he likens this that the mystery of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The church did not move up and those who were moving refused to walk in the light and went back. And the plague was opened at that time and poured out upon the earth which was influenza. Influenza that killed all the people as it did. The thousands times thousands. Now what he's referring to is the, the Spanish flu that we just read, 20 to 75 million people. And you mean God, a loving, wonderful, faithful, merciful God, allowed that to happen? Why, Brother Darrell? People refused the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And some of those that had walked toward it started walking back. And what did God do? God allowed this. Now remember, God does not create sickness. God is not the author of sickness. The prophet says that over and over again. God is not the author of sickness. He's not the author of disease. But God will allow our enemy. I hope every one of you understand that Satan right now, this is his type of day. He's having a heyday. 
He loves time. So poor Brian, can you imagine down in hell? They are just, they are having, as we call it, a revival. The demons are frolicking. They are so happy. They love it when human beings are under fear. They love it when human beings are under trauma and stress. I read yesterday where a doctor here in our, our nation said he was more afraid of suicide and depression and all of that that's going to affect the American people than he was the virus itself he believes that numbers of suicides will soar because it will so interrupt our way of life God made us social creatures is that right we're not made just to hibernate by ourselves and there's something about it we love to get together as people but can you imagine them demons what kind of a demon would love to see people so stressed out but Satan loves this type of an opportunity but I've got news for that devil he may take a lot of people no doubt it'll affect our economy it'll throw us to a place that will never recuperate neither will the rest of the world but you know what I believe the bride will come out on the other side we're going to be better people after this I believe we'll be closer to God I believe we'll be closer together I believe we'll appreciate our church like never before I believe we'll appreciate one another like never before I believe we'll appreciate life just being able to go to Walmart and not be worried. Just being able to go stop at a restaurant and get a hamburger. Come on, preach with me. I believe that we'll be able to preach just the things of life more. We take so much for granted. Oh my Notice this, from the New Testament, we learn that God does not keep his people from all sickness and trouble. We know that he does not even keep us from the valley of death, but he keeps us from the valley of the shadow of death. He does not keep us from death, but he keeps us through death. He does not keep us from dying, but when we're going through death, to us, it's just a simple crossing over. We're taking a taxi as it was. It takes us on the other side. It's only a few moments in the anywhere time you get in, sit down, you're already time to get out. So you hardly even know that you've been there. Now, to those that are going that are not ready, of course, it's a different thing. But remember the Lord Jesus and talking and referring to it in the book of Luke when he talked about those that would be killed and so on for his namesake. And they would go through great persecution. And then Jesus says these words accompanied along with that, but not one hair of your head shall perish. And he was talking about people that would lose their life for his cause. It shows he looks at it in such a different way than we do. We look at it and say, oh no, oh no, if I succumb to this or that or the other, I'm a loser. People say, oh, he lost the cancer. Don't you say that about a child of God. A child of God is a winner either way. Oh, you say they never got their healing. They did get their healing. They got their healing from mortality. That's exactly right. Sometimes we pray God will heal people of cancer. And God said, no, I don't want to heal them from cancer. I want to heal them from being immortal. <laughs> Amen. I want to take them out of that mortal body and burst them into that theophany. I want them to experience the real miraculous power of supernatural divine healing from another dimension. Amen. If we, or oh, as the children of God, when we go through our thing, as I said, it's not punitive that God is punishing us. It's not that God's trying to get even with us. But as we look to Job, that God has a lesson. And the people of God will come through this with a lesson. I believe there are people that will come out of this with great gold in our character. Meetings have had to been canceled all over the world. All types of things have been shook up. Our world shook up us around us. And sometimes, as I said, we get lazy and we need to be shook up. 
But I believe we're going to be shook up. Who knows? This might be the last shaken before the change. Oh, praise God. Notice in verse 4 that David said, He shall cover thee with his feathers. Brother Darrell covered that so beautifully. I'm not even going to go the direction that he did because there's no need to it. He just covered it so wonderfully. He shall cover thee with his feathers. And under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. But I wonder if you thought of this verse in this way. If this would have not been said by a man inspired by the Holy Ghost, it would almost be blasphemous that any mortal man would liken the Almighty, Eternal Elohim to a bird. But God inspired David to liken him to a bird. <laughs> what do I see in this verse? The condescension of the infinite Jehovah. That he would allow, oh my, such transcendent condescension. That he would allow himself to be likened to a bird. That God would liken himself to an eagle or to a, uh, in the book of Matthew there, when the Lord Jesus come on the earth and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I gather you together as a hen doth gather her brood. Even there he likens himself to a mother hen. Can you imagine the eternal condescending? Don't you see how much he loves us? Why would he say such a thing? He didn't need to say it for himself. He said it for us that we would be able to understand, oh my, that he would come down so low. He would go beyond just the likeness of a man. He'd go into animate nature and say, I'm like an eagle. I'm like a hen. I'm like this. Why? So you'd be able to grab a hold of it. Oh, praise God. When I sat right there Sunday and heard Brother Dale preaching about that eagle and her watching her little babies down there and I just seen myself I put my face on that eagle's head and I grabbed a hold of that eagle hallelujah I, I clamped my, my incisors right down on that feather didn't you why because to me that's the way Papa wants it to be I put my face right on that little eagle and whenever that storm come I felt myself in the wind hit me right in the face but I wasn't afraid because I was a hold of Jehovah's wing and I'll tell you how I'm going to face this pandemic I'm going to face it the way I face everything else with my eye right on the promise of the word of God are we going into the storm we're going to run from it no we ain't running we'll go right into it as the spirit of God will lead us but we're not doing it in our pride in our arrogance in our might we are doing it in the power of the Lord how will we come through this with thus saith the Lord how will we overcome it with thus saith the Lord how will we be hallelujah to God how will we all be on the other side we'll still have thus saith the Lord we'll go into it but thus saith the Lord in the middle we'll have thus saith the Lord on the other side we'll have thus saith the Lord why because we are thus saith the Lord we are God's attributes his spoken word children hallelujah well I was going to say forgive me but I ain't going to say that <laughs> I'm getting excited praise the Lord as a hen gathers her chickens I would have gathered you Notice here in Luke 13, he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen, as a hen, just gather her brood 
under her wings. David said, he'll cover thee with his feathers. Under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield. The shield and buckler protected the body's vital parts from the weapons of thrust that were thrown at you from the enemy. Let the devil throw sickness. Let him throw disease. Let him throw depression. Let him throw whatever he wants to throw. We are more than conquerors. But Brother Donnie, we ain't never been here before. I totally agree with that. But our Lord Jesus has been here before. What about the saints of God that lived through the bubonic plague? Did he help them? Did he keep them by his grace? Certainly he did. I mean, there was millions dying all over the earth. The people of God were right there in the middle of it. Was there people of God in the Spanish flu? Of course there were. Were there people of God in the plagues in different times? There were. Thousand fallen on the left, 10,000 on the right. But David said right there, I stood in the middle of it. And somehow the grace of God spared my life. And looking at it, you'd think he was the very man that should have died. But God said, not so. Not so. No wonder Brother he could write this with such inspiration. You imagine standing there in the middle of it, feeling you're the very cause. And people dying everywhere around you. And he went out there and he saw the angel of God. And he said, tell me this rushing for. I've got to have this. He said, I'll give it to you. He said, no, you won't. I'll not offer my God anything that don't cost me something. I'm going to bring him a sacrifice. And whatever he did, oh my, no wonder God didn't kill the man. He was the very man that was going to bring, hallelujah, the sacrifice into the presence of God and stop the plague. I believe we ought to pray like never before for God's mercy. I'm sure you are, but I'm praying every day that God will help doctors, biochemists, and whoever more to be able to bring relief to the human race because the prophet of God did exactly the same thing when he was here notice this in verse 5 thou shalt not amen thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night now we know there's something about night isn't it amazing that if a thunderstorm comes in the day there could be an element of fear but if that same thunderstorm would come with the same amount of wind same amount of lightning and the same amount of thunder. Why is it it seems more scary in the nighttime? Because there's something about us as human beings and the night, everything becomes different. The night sounds are even different. I've been in the African bush hunting and the night sounds in Africa, they're just, they're, they're incredible. They're awesome in one way and yet they're fearful. I was in a, in a place in Zimbabwe there whenever I was hunting one time and the guy told me, he said, now you sit over here by yourself as a block type of thing, a round type of little room, maybe the size of my office or something like that. And he said, now don't get scared. He said, we see leopards around here. And he said, we see, you know, some different things, but they only come out at night. And he said, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, you don't have a lock on your door. Oh, okay, don't have a lock on the door. So I finally did go to sleep and I woke up in the night with something like this. Well, my eyes got as big as saucers. Now, if I'd have heard that same noise in the daylight, it wouldn't have bothered me near as much. But there's something about darkness. And David said, I'm going to frame the night. I'm going to frame the night and I'm going to catch the fears. I'm going to catch the imaginations. I'm going to catch the, you know, the unknown. That's what's getting everybody right now. It's the unknown. It's the unknown. Where's it going? Oh, how bad will it be here? How bad will it be there? Will it get me? Will it get my mama? Will it get this? It's the unknown. 
And David said, I'm going to catch the unknown at the worst time in the nighttime. And I'm going to go ahead and lay it out by the inspiration of the Spirit of God. And he said, Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by the day. So fires, storms, tempests, enemies. You imagine an enemy, a bunch of men coming at you at the nighttime, and they would lay in wait many times at night, and they would attack at night. You can't see them. You don't know who's on your side, who's against you. And David must have been there. He must have been there and felt, I know what that's like. I know what it's like when you're looking out there and you're thinking, who's on my side? Who's for me? Who's against me? I can't see them. I don't know what to do. Do I throw a rock? Do I throw a javelin? Do I shoot an arrow? Do I wait? Do I lay down? I don't know what to do. And David said, I've felt that feeling before. I know that feeling. I'm sure every one of us have felt the same way. When the darkness, oh my, when we can't see no light around us and we wonder where he is. But remember, he's still in the ship. Sometimes you may not be able to feel him and he may go quiet on you, but he's doing it for a reason. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Nor for the arrow that flies by the day, whether shot from the bow of God or shot from the bow of the devil or shot from the bow of man. Oh my. You realize there's three different aspects by which the bow can come against you. God in his mercy because of his love. I read it just yesterday when Brother Bram said that God sometimes will let a sickness come on an individual. And he said just in order to draw him a little bit closer to him. So he can kind of pull, he pull you up in his arms. And we're thinking that he don't like us. We're thinking that he's rejected us and he's spanking us. But in reality many times it ain't that way at all. He's actually pulling us a little bit closer because we'll we'll get real close up to him and we'll snuggle up to him and he pulls us real close and goes to minister some real close intimate fellowship so sometimes God pulls an arrow out of his bow and will allow things to come our way other times he'll allow Satan to do it other times it'll be men and they'll shoot their arrows of discontentment or their arrows of gossip or arrows of this or that but David said it makes no difference who it comes from if it fires by day no matter who it comes from by God's grace, I am going to live. Oh, and I love this in verse 6. Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness. Oh, my. Shrouded in mystery. Now, remember, they did not have biochemists. They did not have laboratories, microscopes. When David wrote this, yet they had plagues. They had all kinds of things they dealt with. And it's mysterious to us now. The coronavirus and all the other things that we deal with. It's mysterious and they're looking. Thank God they are looking. I hope and pray God will let them find something. But can you imagine how mysterious it must have been in this time frame? Whenever things would come and they didn't know what to do. And many of them, it was the water that was causing it. It was this and that and the other. And they didn't know what to do. It was veiled in mystery. Oh my. But David said, for the pestilence that walketh in darkness. It stays hidden. I don't know what to do. Listen, is not our own president and his cabinet and many of the doctors saying that we are in a war? Our president is identifying himself as being a wartime president. Many of the doctors are saying we're in a war. Now we understand that actually a little bit better than what they did. Because we know what this is, is a fourth dimension a fourth dimension visitation that has come from the demonic world 
and pressed its way. Now, some they say started with some type of exotic plant or a pet rather. Now they're saying possibly in the wet markets of China, which I've been there and seen all that. And they're saying now maybe possibly that it was a bat, that someone, they eat bats in, in China. And that actually they went to a wet market and if someone had eaten it, it made them sick and it come from that one person. And we see how Satan does it. Time that exactly for the Chinese New Year. Them going out to visit. It's not the Chinese fault. They didn't bring this upon us intentionally. Many of those people have suffered greatly. We don't blame them. But yet it was Satan. Time that exactly right. So that them going out to visit here and there and there. Many Chinese live in Italy. What did they do? They went abroad. Brought it right back into their homeland. And they're doing the same thing over and over again. Many international travelers. What did it do? At the end of World War I. When the Spanish flu hit. What was it? The time that some of the boys was coming back home. Going here and there and there. Look exactly how that it was time. Oh our enemy knows exactly what he is doing. But so do we. We are not ignorant concerning his traps and his devices. And we are not ignorant that our God will move on our behalf. He said, I am not afraid even of the destruction that will waste at noonday. If it comes in the night, so be it. If it comes in the noonday, so be it. My God is great. Oh, my God is greater than all of it. Verse 7, a thousand, a thousand shall fall at thy side, which is your left hand. And 10,000 at thy right hand. But it shall not. It shall not. Come thee. Now this is not talking about the battle. This is talking about the pestilence. That he just described in the verse before. Now this is a man without the Holy Ghost. I wonder how close it could get to us. And not shake our faith. Now whenever we read it on our apps and we read our news and see the little news clips on our phones and so on. And we see them numbers. Most of them are faceless people. They are stats to us. No last name, no first name, no middle name. Their skin color, we, we know nothing about them. They're just a number. But what if it was your neighborhood? What if it's your community? What if it's people in our church? People in our message? This is why I think we have to be careful in taking the quote. When Brother Bram said there'll be plagues come in the last days and it'll fall on everybody without the Holy Ghost. We've got to be careful and make sure that whenever we apply this that we know what we're doing. Because if somebody in the message gets this, then what does that make us doing? Makes them putting them without the Holy Ghost. Now whether or not this is that plague, I do not know. That plague will come because he said it will be here. Right? Notice, it was so close that David comparing these numbers, a thousand to my left and ten thousand years, it shows the devastation, Brother Louis, that was made by such a plague. And remember, David experiences 70,000 of his own people dying right around him, but God in his mercy spared him. No wonder this man could write this with such conviction. You imagine hearing and seeing people screaming out of your own city, and you yourself are the very cause of why this happened. And God's grace, God's providential grace. Oh, you say I'm not worthy. You think David was worthy? You think David had done any good thing? He was the very man that had caused it. It was a picture of God's grace. Do I understand it all? I don't. But I know one thing, he is merciful. And that's one thing I sure appreciate about him. The special providence of God, he said, it will not come nigh thee. But you will be safe. You'll feel protected 
Oh, I believe if there's ever a time that we need to not do that just physically, but we need to know that we know that we know that our soul is sealed with the Holy Ghost. Now, I know I mentioned to you that we're going to have a prayer line. Lord willing, we're going to do that because I felt led to do it. So whenever we come back, we'll have it. But remember, the prayer line is not just going to be for the sick bodies. The prayer line will be for those who need to be saved. The prayer line will be for those who need strength in the wall. It will also be for those who need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, the prophet tells us the apostolic way of receiving the Holy Ghost is to have hands laid upon you. I can't never see where that was ever changed. Notice this. Oh, but Brother Donnie, well, what, if, what if somebody in our church gets it? What, what, if, what if you get it? What if somebody gets it? Oh, my mind, does that mean you don't have the Holy Ghost? It don't mean any such thing. Oh, God, does that mean God didn't watch over you? No, no. Well, what if some believer dies with it? God didn't watch over him? No, that doesn't mean that. Many of God's children die with diseases. All kinds of different things. But we get something different out of it than what the normal Joe out here gets when he dies. His family gathers around him and, oh, he was a good old guy. He'd done this and that and the other. Oh, but you see, we have promises like these. Nothing happens by chance. It all happens for some reason. The grace of God is right. Again, he says, I don't believe that anything happens to a Christian by chance. I think it's ordained of God. Because Jesus said he would make all things work together for good to them. That love him. Praise God. So what are we going to do? Wash our hands and keep on believing. I'm going to do everything that's in my power. As I said here the Sunday morning, I trust God, but I also lock my doors when I leave the house. It's not that I don't trust God. It's so many people in the community where I live I don't trust so, you know what? I trust God. I have insurance. I trust God. I have insurance on my car, right? I trust God with all different kinds of things. And there's things that I do to be able to perpetuate my life as long as I'm here. I'm going to enter this and I have entered it exactly in the same way. Am I going to watch? Am I going to say, keep my social distance? Well, I'm going to do my best to be able to do that. And if anybody sneezes, I'm dropping everything. I'm gone and I'm out of the store. You do whatever you got to do to protect yourself. Now, I realize there are people that look at that and they struggle. Well, that's not my problem that they don't understand real faith. You see, the prophet of God himself, when he was going overseas, he said, my arm is sore this morning because of shots that I had to take the yellow fever. Son and I, the government requires it. Well, Brother Branham never taught us. Oh, yeah, this is a persecution against the church. This is not a persecution against the church. The last time I checked, the NBA was not a religious organization. The masters being canceled down in Georgia is not a church persecution. Now, friend, don't be, don't be nuts. No, don't, 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 let's not be foolish during this time. This is not a persecution against the church. If this is a persecution against the church, I'd be one of the first ones to say, we're not doing it. We're going to come here anyhow. This is not a persecution against the church. People can't work. People can't go here. They can't go there. Oh, but what if it comes out of it? Well, if it comes out of it, we'll deal with it then. But that ain't what it is now. And whenever we try to represent it that way, we are doing something falsely and telling a lie. 
We need to tell the truth. Oh, I, I see something beyond it, Brother Donnie. You better make sure what you're seeing is based upon the Word. And if you ain't a prophet, you don't know a bit more about it than I do. So let's just follow with what God said, and let's just behave ourselves in the line of duty. And the brothers said, Amen. Notice this again. Things that ought to be. You were all pre-planned by God. Nothing happens by chance with God. He knows all about it. It's all pre-planned. Planned for many generations. Amen. Back so that you could be here tonight. Now here we are. And God knew this Wednesday night there'd be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten that I can see. In this place, which normally there's hundreds and hundreds. And here we are, we're still in shock. Why? We didn't know the plan. We're still trying to figure it all out. Oh my goodness, how long is this going to go? I don't know. If I could jump up there and read the plan, I'd come back down and tell you. But since I don't know what the plan is, we'll just have to play it out day by day by day. But I do not believe that this is haphazard. God said, oh no, I can't keep my children. This coronavirus is awful. It's awful. It's bigger than I, the Lord God, can stand. That ain't my God. I said, that ain't my God. My God's bigger than every devil out of hell. He's bigger than every disease. He's bigger than all of it put together. Amen. Notice in verse 8, only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward. Notice this. When God allows a plague to come upon the earth, which is his righteous judgment, it is reward to the wicked. But when his children get sick, it is not a reward for wickedness. It's not punitive at all. It's educational. Now, we don't like going to that school, but we all got to go. I know we want to be tardy on them hard trial days and on them hard test days, but we've all got to have them because I've, I've seen it myself many, many times when people get sick in maybe the last six months, six weeks, two months of their life and see little things that needed to be tweaked. See this made right and watch them and they call this brother and maybe that sister and just fix little things here and little things there and them sitting in church every time you have church and somehow or another they never did it, they never fixed it or another never struck home but all of a sudden they're laying on their deathbed and this little thing. I've had many of them to call me by the bedside and tell their wife or their husband to go out of the room. Brother Donnie, I need to make this right. I said this about you. I've done this. I should have done that. Sure, brother, sister, I understand. And maybe live an hour. Maybe live 30 minutes. Maybe live, you know, however long from that time. But it takes sometimes things like that. What do we do? We know we're facing it and we search every avenue of our life. We search every room of our life. We search every motive. Look at it, brothers. Whenever we think about it, all of you streamers tonight, what's the most important to you tonight? Your money or your freedom and food and toilet paper and bottled water and things? Now, who had ever thought toilet paper would have such value? Why? Because people are scared to death. Who had ever thought that you'd walk to Kroger or Food City and the shelves would be empty? Our America? Don't you see what this has done? Our great scientist, our great nation that's so full of pride, she's humbled once again. We can't control it, can we? Come on, America. You think you'll do it? Oh, we'll rise. We'll be greater. That's who America is. But remember, one of these days, she'll meet her doom. I'm so glad God has made a way for us. Don't you appreciate it so much? 
Notice what David said. Hear me, see if I can close your momentarily. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation or thy home. Praise God. You have made the Lord your home. Amen. You're in Father's house. Praise God. This is why the prophet said that the blood was applied over the door. Brother Larry, because the name was on the door. So when you'd come in, not like ours today on a mailbox outside, but they would write the name on the door. On the doorpost, either here or the lintel going across the top, and they'd write the name. So when he said, apply the blood, when they applied the blood, they applied the blood to the name or the entrance. And he said, the house of God is the name of Jesus Christ, the body of God. We're baptized into that body. And the blood is applied to the name. What is the name? Not Reagan, not Bailey, not Blevins. It is the name of Jesus Christ. And there we are saved. But Brother Donnie, does that mean we won't have trouble? No, 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 no. It doesn't mean that we're free from trouble. But it means in our trouble, we are safe in our trouble. The world is not safe. Don't you understand? There's such a difference. Even what well, so-and-so has trouble and we have trouble as saints. Sure we do. But they are in turmoil in their trouble. They are lost in their trouble. Can you imagine the world? It's never, not in our lifetime, has it ever felt this lost. And then America, many people of the world, they're so proud. They can't stand it when they lose control and they're out of control. They can't control the money market. They cannot control the stocks, the bonds. They can't control their health. They are out of control. Oh, hallelujah. But I have rest tonight. You can have rest tonight. Not because I've got control, but because my daddy has control. I'm in my father's house. The blood is applied over the linen and the doorpost. Hallelujah. And the blood is not a tape. Oh my, the token is not a tape of some of the unbelievers around the message would like to make it. The blood of Jesus Christ, the life that was in that blood is our token, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that's what keeps us safe. So if I go through trials, I'll come out on the other side of that trial, a more blessed man than I was before I went in. If I go through hardships, I'll come out on the other side, my faith stronger. Let's stand, brothers. God bless you. Let me read verse 10 while you stand there. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. A security in the midst of evils, a peace in the midst of storm, safety amidst desolation. These are our promises. We claim them. Amen. Oh, but Brother Don, what if we get sick? We claim them anyway. Right. We claim them right on through it. Yes, because He will be with us in our sickness and our trouble and our disparity of life. Yes. He will help us through this time, Happy Valley. All of you brothers and sisters, I know your hearts are broken. I left my little queen at home a while ago so sad and just feeling so despondent. Many of you, I'm sure you feel the same way tonight. Some of the brothers are going to be able to meet with 10 people in their sanctuary and maybe 10 over in the fellowship hall and, you know, be able to manage it that way because they have a small congregation. 
time we get that done, this thing will be done past anyway. So I figure we just go through it as best we can, and it'll make us stronger when we come out on the other side. Y'all won't, y'all just, you'll be chomping at the bits for the next time we're able to come. And you sit here in the house of God. Hear old brother Louis sing. Hear these musicians play and make their normal regular mistakes. And, and you'll, the, the old clap off beat. And some of you singing off key. It'll sound absolutely wonderful. It'll sound beautiful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. That's where we want to make sure that we are. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord God, in the midst of trouble, that you would help us, Father. Lord Jesus, we call upon your great name tonight, Father, asking you for your intervention. Lord, a brother from India emailed me yesterday and Asking me, Brother Donnie, is this a plague from God or is this Satan? I'll answer him the same way that I'll answer these people tonight. I can't honestly say how it all works. But all I know is your promises apply either way. If you allowed Satan to release this as a temporary judgment upon the earth, prior to the going home of your people, then you'll keep us. Hallelujah. If you turn loose the vials and the judgments, the bowls of the judgments of God, temporarily pre-tribulation, you'll still keep us. So either way, we're going to be kept. Praise God. Lord, as I said, it doesn't mean that we'll be free from sickness and free from death. Just our sister Chevy just passing a few days ago. No doubt, Lord, if you tarry, there'll be more of us that'll go that way. But we're still kept in death. You didn't keep us from it, but we're kept through it. Praise God. And we come out on the other side perfectly well. I pray for your people around the world tonight, Lord Jesus. Father, getting emails from different believers in Africa... South America. Lord, many of them work day by day. Some of their countries are totally shut down. They have no work, no money, no food. God, I pray for them. In the name of Jesus, help our brothers and sisters, Father. Lord God, be merciful to your people. This psalm is not just a psalm for the people in America. But it's a psalm for our brothers and sisters in India and in Africa. God, be with them, I pray. Help them, Father. Minister to your people, Lord Jesus, I pray. Keep us strong. Keep us well. Till we can return again, Father God. If it be pleasing to you, we'll gather here again, Lord, in this similar fashion on Sunday morning to have another service to see what you'll speak to us. Till that time, keep us in your presence, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask. Amen. Amen. Harry, sing a little something, if you would. Let's just worship him a little bit before we go. God bless all of you. We love you so much, all of our streamers. Brother Louis says it quite frequently. 
God bless our streamers, Well, Most of them tonight, that's what they are. So we say to all of you, God bless our streamers. We wish you were here. But we'll make do. God will help us. God will strengthen us until we get through it. Amen. Let's just worship him a little. You there in your home or wherever you are, let's just worship Jesus together. He's got it all Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. He's got yes, it you all. Choruses here. Amen. So appreciate privilege to be able to address you tonight. 
I'm so grateful that before trouble come, we've been able to have this streaming and make it to worth it. We can be able to have church this way. I know it's not the same, but I'm so grateful that we have it. Be a blessing to you. God bless you. We'll be gathering here again and then be streaming again Sunday, Lord willing, at 11 o'clock. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Blessed be the Lord God
tonight if you will you enjoy the message tonight church I know you did I know you ministered to your heart brother Darrell God bless you we love you buddy praise the Lord praise the Lord oh even though we may be miles apart I'm so grateful that we're one in the spirit heavenly father Lord we just love you this evening we are so grateful, dear God, for your word, Lord. It speaks such comfort and peace to our hearts, Lord. Lord, none of us knows what tomorrow will hold, but we are so glad that we know who holds it, Lord. And Father, we just take these words, God. May, they, may we meditate upon them, the things that we've heard tonight, Lord. 
when the enemy tries to slip in, bring fear, Lord, to the people, may we look back to these words, God, and realize that you are our Father. Oh, God, that we dwell in you, Lord. The token's been applied, Father, upon our doorposts. We're identified with that blood, Lord. Oh, we're grateful for that. Lord, those tonight maybe not feeling well in their bodies, may the Holy Spirit, Lord, that brought this word tonight, may it move, dear God, upon their hearts, Lord. May the sickness leave them, God. May the depression leave them, Lord. Father, right now, may there be praise in the count because you're in our midst, Lord. Father, we just ask you now, Lord, that you strengthen Brother Donnie, return his strength to him, dear God. Those, Lord, who assembled tonight to make this possible, Lord, be with them as they travel home. Lord, our families all around the country streaming at home tonight. Oh, God. Oh, God, may it be as it was in the Garden of Eden, Lord, when you came down in the cool of the evening and kissed Adam and Eve on the cheek. May you kiss your children on the cheek tonight, Lord, as we lay ourselves down to rest. Knowing, dear God, that we're in your presence. We just love you tonight, Lord. We're just so grateful, Father. We're just so grateful that you said you'd never leave us, nor would you forsake us. We commit now this word into your hands for your glory. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity that we can still, Lord, gather ourselves together. We can still hear from you. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done for us, for all that you've given us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, saints. May the Lord be with you this evening. Amen. Wait again. Hey. You're my hiding place, yes. safe in your embrace. I'm protected from the storm. That rages when the waters rise and I run to hide, Lord, in you I find my hiding place. storm that rages when the waters rise and I run to hide Lord in you I find my hiding place storm that rains. 